0: so crazy
1: cat lady minivan mom who never stops talking she is a dork and i think that she's hilarious she is one of my best friends and i love her
0: hi this is melissa johnson and you are listening to this is melissa podcast and this is episode three with interview lisa lewis Um, Before we get started, though, I just want to say a quick thank you to my friends who were willing to do the little voice memos that you hear at the beginning of the podcast. Um, That's uh, Olivia Herrera, Lisa Lewis, Rebecca Boyd, and my life coach, Leslie Draper. It was her idea to put together the voice memos and kind of edit it and kind of make it sound funny at the beginning with a little bit of music in the background. So yeah, so thank you ladies for being willing to do that. Um, Also, if you want to find me online, you can find me at cleanlifecleanhome.com. That's my nonprofit. Um, You can also um, donate through the website. It's a 501c3. All donations are tax deductible. Um, You can also find me on Facebook, uh, Clean Life Clean Home, or My Truth Starts Here, I also did a interview, an interview with Sarah Roberts. Um, you can find that on her new website, which is completely amazing. It's sobrietystartshere.com, and there is a long list of people that are share their stories. You get to watch the video. Um, lots of resources on there, so definitely check that out. Um, you can also donate to the podcast if you want to, just to like, if you feel like giving back. Um it's you can find me on PayPal. This is Melissa Johnson at gmail.com. Um so also the episode today is an interview with Lisa Lewis, and she is one of my best friends. I met her in 2013, back when I was still like really struggling with getting sober, and I had just gotten out of jail, and um and the Cleveland County Sheriff at the time, you know, found out about my legal problems. Um, he was really good friends with the guy that I was dating and was like, all right, well, you're going to be in this program and, you know, you can't drink anymore. And I was pissed. I don't like, I was like, who does he think he is? Um, but anyways, but I'm very grateful for the program. I'm very grateful for him. And I'm grateful that I met my friend Lisa Lewis because we are friends in, you know, my kids love her, I love her, um, but she's been through a lot. She is a mom in recovery from drugs and alcohol, and there's so much to her story that I knew I needed to have her on. I feel like her story could really help some people out there. And um, We just finished our interview, she just left, and I'm still drying the tears. It was it, it was an emotional one. Um It was good. I feel like her story needs to be heard. Um, And she's been there for for me through so much. I met her right before my children were taken away for the first time. And, you know, each time she was always there. Each time my son went inpatient, she was there. Um, She's just been a really good friend. And I'm so grateful to have her in my life. And, you know, any time that I'm having like my little pity party or you know I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling just down kind of grumpy you know complaining um I just I think about her and I think about everything that she's gone through and and sometimes I just wonder how she does it I really do I just can't imagine going through the loss that she has gone through um it's the unimaginable it really is and I just don't know how she does it sometimes. And then just whenever I'm having a bad day and I look at her and I'm like, "What I am complaining about is so small." You know, it's so tiny compared to what she has been through. Um so I'm grateful to have her on the podcast today. It could be grab some tissues. You're going to need them. You're going to need some Kleenex for sure on this one. Um But anyways, I think that you'll enjoy it and I really feel like this can help. She's very brave. Um, so, yeah, I love her and I know you will too. So, there you go. Bye, guys.
1: Hi, Lisa. Hi, Melissa.
0: Thank you so much for being here today and being willing to share your story.
1: Thank you for asking me. Um, I really think it's going to be um, good for me too to be able to share it with other people. So, I appreciate the invitation.
0: I think so. Um okay well let's just go ahead and get into your story.
1: Okay. Well, um my name's Lisa as we said and um I I think you know we all we talk a lot about how our stories are we try to find the similarities in our stories. Um but and and I do that, but one way that I think my story is a little different than some people's is that I did not start struggling with my addiction until I was 38 years old. Um, So I have, at the time, I had two children, a daughter and a son. Um, My daughter um, is the oldest, um, and they are about six years apart in age. So um, when I started uh, using drugs, what happened is I was going through a divorce um, at the time uh, with my son's dad it was my second marriage we had been married 11 years um, and our marriage was pretty um, tumultuous I would say we um, for and there was a lot of good in it and I don't want to dwell on the bad things in my marriage because there were wonderful things that came out of that marriage um, the first one being my son Blake Um, who um, was just such a blessing. And my daughter, Lauren, out of my first marriage, I've been married twice, um, and I just was blessed with two amazing kids. When um, Brett and I decided to get a divorce, um, Blake was 10 and Lauren was 16. And I kind of went through a really bad depression when that happened. Um, which is understandable. And what I did is I I started going out with some girlfriends from work. And it was really strange. At the time, I worked for the Williams Companies in Tulsa, and there were actually about five other women who were also um, either in the midst of a divorce or single at the time, and we started all going out together and drinking. This is kind of how it started. Um, and I had, you know, drank many times before this, um, but not alcoholically. Um, I probably was an alcoholic. When I look back on it, I see where I many, many times drank to till I passed out, drank till I threw up. Um, I, I don't think normal drinkers do that, but I didn't see it as a problem then because... I think mainly because I was not a daily drinker, and I still functioned. Um, I was able to take care of my kids. I went to work every day. Um, my husband went to work, and we just drank really socially. But both of us, socially, um, we got pretty drunk sometimes. So when I started going out with the girls from work um, to some of the local bars and stuff in Tulsa, um, we, I drank heavily and i remember one night i remember this so vividly and my memory is crazy sometimes i think i'm losing it but um but i remember this very vividly it happened in january of 2004 and i was going out with some girlfriends and we met ahead of time um at uh we always went to this bar called Crow Creek in Tulsa which um, we always had a wonderful time, and I have lots of good memories um, of that bar and these p- women in my life. I still, We're still friends today, and I love them all. Um, I don't think anyone else in that group that I went out with um, went down the scale as far as I did. Um, so one night we were over at uh, one girl's house, and I remember I was putting on mascara in the bathroom. I remember exactly what I was doing, And one of the girls came in there and, and said, um, I put out some lines of cocaine on a plate and set them up on the fireplace. And she said, if anybody wants one. And I mean, I wasn't totally naive, but, and I had done one line, I had snorted one line of cocaine, um, when I was 18. And I just remember not liking it, you know, but that night I said, well, what's it do? And, And keep in mind, I was a lightweight drunk, and my friends were always having to, like, back up their cars to the back doors of bars, get me loaded into the back seat, take me to whoever's house was closest, and drop me off. And um, so the first thing she said is, well, all it really does is give you energy and you can drink more. So I was like, oh, great, I'll do that. And, you know, I look back on that today, and it's kind of funny because I... Never once did I think about the fact that it was illegal. Um, never once was I afraid because also I think it's important for me to t- say that addiction runs in my family. Um, and so does alcoholism. And, I, um, and to me, I know there are you know varied views on this, but to me they're really one and the same because alcohol is a drug um, to me. And that's how I feel about it um, it's just legal um, but you know withdrawal from alcohol is one of the worst withdrawals there is but but I will say this I believe that when you add or for me let me say for me when you add drugs to alcohol and you're an addict um, I think that it speeds up how f- fast you're going to go downhill <clears throat> so I started snorting cocaine. Um, I, at the time, I could afford it. I was working in the oil and gas industry. I had a good job, and I had, you know, a four hundred one k. I had a pension plan, and I felt like I could afford to do those things. Um, I was super wrong because when you're doing cocaine, you can go through money um, so fast, and and that's what I did. I went through all my money. Um, I ended up, um, I ended up. You know, I got laid off from Williams, um, in, a, in a big layoff. And I even, I even wanted to get laid off because um, my husband and I were going to try, try to get back together and make it work. And I was going to stay home for a while. I had never done that, and I thought that would be so awesome. And it wasn't because um, my kids were in school all day and it just didn't really um and I was home and I had a lot of time to think and it just it just wasn't a good thing um and then I got a job at Arvest Bank a really good job um for a friend of mine who you know gave me that opportunity to and and now I need to kind of back up a little bit too I wasn't doing drugs yet I didn't do drugs when I worked at Williams um I, got, I think I got laid off at Williams in 2002, and I wasn't doing drugs yet. I started, like I said, in January of 2004. I went to work uh, at Arbus Bank in 2002, and I had a great job there, um, and I was working for a friend who, um, and him and his family are just wonderful people. To this day, they are wonderful people um and i'm grateful to them for that opportunity and i'm so sad that i um that i just ruined that because at some point during that job is when i started using drugs uh the cocaine and you know sh- you know soon enough um i couldn't function anymore like i did so i started coming in late i started missing work i I wasn't the employee that I used to be and so of course I lost that job and what I can tell you is that from that point on um, because by by 2006 so from January of 2004 to mid 2006 a lot of stuff happened Um our, my divorce was final in December well actually December 23rd of 2003 my divorce was final um, I had bought a house. Let's see. It gets kind of confusing because so much happened. But at some point in this process, I bought a house. Um, my ex-husband bought a house. Um, our son Blake was going back and forth between our two homes, and um, we had joint custody. And um, and Blake was a just a happy kid. I mean he was just a really good, smart, happy kid. And I'm telling you that for, for a reason, because I want to share some stuff with you later on. But, um, but my kids, you know, they were suffering because I, even though I still was able to kind of act like I had it together, I didn't. And I was falling apart on the inside. And, I was sleeping a lot, and I was, I mean, I'm just going to tell you the truth, and the truth is ugly. Um, part of my truth is very ugly. It's hard to talk about, and I'm as I sit here, I'm almost getting teary-eyed because um, its it's hard for me to talk about this stuff still. It's hard for me to look at because as mothers, you know, we have so much guilt, and while I have... Learned to forgive myself and I have forgiven myself I'm still human and these are still my kids they're my babies and it's really hard to let it all go as mothers and I know that if you're a mom and you're listening and you're either struggling with addiction or you're in recovery I know that you know what I'm talking about um, and so it's something that I'm still working on uh, something that I work on all the time um what ended up happening is I lost my home to foreclosure. Um you know, my kids, they didn't know what was going on. Um they came home one day and you know, the big red stickers that the bank uh puts on the windows when they foreclose. Um they those were on our windows and our house was going to be locked up and um it was it was a nightmare. And I just was, I wasn't, I was acting like it wasn't happening. I just, and I don't, you know, I think that's part of a drug addiction too. And I was in active addiction. So I just pretended, I remember like not opening my mail. Like Are you if I don't,
0: doing, were you doing lots of cocaine and drinking or you had to do co- it on the different drugs? Cocaine
1: and drinking. And that's at that time, that's all I was doing. And I was still at that time, I was just snorting the cocaine, Um, but I was snorting a lot of cocaine. And I had, I, I, at that time, I think I had already gone through my, um, my 401k. I had taken out hardship withdrawals. I mean, it's insane the things that we do and um
0: did your kids ask you what was happening did you do you think you hid it from
1: them I thought I hid it from them but my daughter my daughter found a rolled up um bill in my closet um and she knew what it was Mm -hmm. I had used it to snort with and and she was you know at by this time she was 18 Mm -hmm. so this was in 2006 and she knew what that was and you know she called my mom and dad and told them what she found and she was devastated there's lots of stories like that um and my mom and dad you know i think i think they didn't want to believe her and she was devastated at that you know nobody nobody could believe that i was doing this because i had always been responsible and i or pretty responsible um my ex husband would probably laugh at that because I always I haven't always been great with money, <laughs> but um, um, and I think that was even a sign early on of addictive tendencies, um, just like shopping issues and spending issues, um, that I just I couldn't see at the time. Um, so my kids, eventually they did know what was going on. Um,
0: hey. Still live with you or do they have to
1: go live with their dad? Well when so when the house got foreclosed on, um Blake Blake went they both were living with um Brett, um, who was Lauren's stepdad and Blake's dad. And I went to um for a while, for a really short time I stayed with a friend in Tulsa and then eventually I decided to move to Oklahoma City to try to get away from the drugs. I I thought that a geographical change, if I moved to Mm -hmm. somewhere else that and I didn't have the connection to get the drugs, that I could stop doing them. Because the truth is, I could see what it was doing to me. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was killing me. Because I used to, even my friends who did drugs would say, Lisa, why do you do this? Because I would have nosebleeds um, that were awful and I would get these horrible headaches and I would have ice packs like on my nose because it hurts so bad ice packs on my head and I would tell myself well if I just snort some more cocaine I can numb this mm-hmm. I mean that's insane that is the insanity and I remember when one time when somebody told me the insan- the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results and that's what I was doing I was doing it over and over again and expecting different results. And I wasn't getting them, of course, because that it doesn't happen that way. And so um, I, but I moved uh, to Oklahoma City. I got another really good job. um, And within about, when I first came to Oklahoma City, I went to a meeting every day for 30 days. I had lost my car by now. So I was renting a car. Things get jumbled, Um, but I was renting a car, and I had this good job, and I was going to meetings every day, either at the Western Club up in Oklahoma City or um, an N.A. meeting called No Grass, Uh, and I I did that for 30 days, and I I didn't use, and I didn't drink, and I talked to my kids every day, and I just knew that I was going to get back on my feet, and I was going to come back to Tulsa. And I was going to be stronger, and I wouldn't do the drugs. And, and you know, that is not my story. I, I wish it was. Because, um, you know, this is where... So, like, now... So, now my kids are 18 and 12. And, um, you know, they need me. And I'm just in and out of their lives. Um I I would, from that point in 2006, I would try to get, I I didn't actually, so my clean date is May 2nd, 2012, and I have been clean and sober since that day, May 2nd, 2012. I'll celebrate six years um, coming up in May, Um, but from 2006, about June to 2006 to May of 2012, I struggled those six years trying to get clean and sober, and I would get clean and sober for about six months, and things would start to get better, and my family would be back in my life, and my kids would be back in my life, and something would happen, and I would relapse, and you know, AA is a big part of my story, because um, AA worked for me for a really long time. I, I don't go to AA as much now, But I'm not going to lie, I feel like I probably need to get back to it um, because I've been struggling lately, not even with wanting to use, but just kind of some old behaviors that I need to look at and work on. But by the grace of God, um, I have been able to stay clean and sober, and so I'm very grateful for that.
0: What was was that day like? What was your rock bottom like? What was that last day?
1: Well, my last day, um, I got, I was at my friend's house and, um, I got picked up by U.S. Marshals. This is real, um, this is real good stuff right here. This is the stuff you can be proud of. So I got picked up by U.S. Marshals because I had a warrant, um, for failure to appear. Now this was not, this was a failure to appear on a, on a, um, bogus check charge, I think, where I had written, because I would write hot checks on my own account to try to get money to get more drugs. Um, it's just, it's never ending, because there's never enough money to buy the amount of drugs that you need. And so I ended up getting in criminal trouble. Um, and and the final straw was that um, U.S. Marshals picked me up at this friend's house in Oklahoma City, and I remember him, he was so nice. I will never forget the U.S. Marshals and how kind they were. And they looked at me, this, this marshal looked at me, and he said, what are you doing? What are you doing? I can tell that you're a nice person. Where's your kids? Where's your family? And I just broke down in his car. And um, and he took me, took me in on my warrant. And that was it for me. I never used again. And it was a total God thing because I had to sit in jail for uh, almost three months. Um, The judge at the time, she um, jacked my bond up really high where I couldn't get out because she thought that if I had some time to clear my head, that I might be able to um, stay clean and and at the time i was so mad i didn't think it was fair mm-hmm. you know and but but it worked she was right it worked and it was fair and it was god and i'm so grateful for that today and you know i became a trustee in that jail and i started a uh, bible study i started aa meetings i we did like women's uh, devotionals in the morning at the time they had women trustees in the laundry room at cleveland county and um, I walked three miles a day in there. I mean, and I'm still friends with two of the jailers, um, still friends with them today. And they made a huge difference in my life. Um, I don't want to keep, I don't want to dwell too much. So long story short on the using and drinking, my life went to hell in a really short amount of time, which that it happens for a lot of us women. And um, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous talks about women you know we go down the we go downhill faster than men, and I don't really know why that is, but it is my experience that that is true. So, um, so I ended up in jail. I ended up with criminal charges. I this is not something I ever thought would happen, um, and and by the grace of God, um, May second, two thousand and twelve, was the last time I ever used. How
0: did you become part of the SCAP? You were a caretaker, okay. right? Yes. SCAP yes. So, sheriff started. Yes,
1: yes. So, when I was in the Cleveland County Jail, they had these uh, posters up about this program they had um, called SCAP for Women. And it was uh, SCAP stood for Second Chance Advocacy Program. And it was a program that Sheriff Lester. Um, He was the Cleveland County Sheriff at the time, and it was a program that he had started um, to help women um, on the front end um, of when they were starting to get in trouble to prevent them from going on to prison. And it was a very successful program, um, unbelievably successful. Um, In the first year, I believe it reduced recidivism by 90%. I mean, that that is amazing. And one, and, and I got to know the two women that ran the program at the time, um, their names were Beth and Jennifer, and they would come into the jail and talk to us women and meet with us women. And so when I got out of jail, I contacted Beth and Jennifer. Well, as as a matter of fact, they even talked to my parents before I got out. We were, they were working with me on a plan before I got out of jail, because I was going to be homeless. I didn't have any, nobody wanted me to come to them, you know, yeah. come live with them. And so, long story short, they worked with me, worked with me, got me into an Oxford house. I got a job at Walden's Cleaners for minimum wage. Now, I never thought I'd be working anywhere for minimum wage, <laughs> because I was making really good money before that. Um, but, but I this
0: time, you were now a convicted uh, felon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I
1: was I was well, at that time was uh, I don't know if I was yet, but it was getting ready to happen. Yeah. But I de- definitely had a criminal record. Yeah. So um I was so grateful for that job. I I I didn't have a car anymore. My car got stolen while I was in jail. Um I and there's there's just so much you can't remember everything. I'm so glad that you are helping me because yeah. you're helping me well, remember. That's how I
0: met you. I, I know you met me through SCap. When Sheriff Lester was trying to help me stay out of prison, yes. And said you are now going to be in the SCap program, and I was so angry, yes. But that is how I that's how we met. You. Yeah.
1: And it <laughs> was and it was really cool. So so fast forward, I got the opportunity to speak and share my story at a Rotary meeting where Sheriff Lester was. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was through SCAP. Well, Sheriff Lester heard me speak at that meeting and I didn't know it, but it brought tears to his eyes and he <laughs> wanted to hire me to work for that program to help other women because who better to help other women than a, than a woman who's been there? And so I got that amazing opportunity to get to do that. And that is where I met Melissa. <laughs> And Melissa was struggling with alcoholism and Sheriff Lester came and talked to me about her and asked me if I would work with her and help her get into meetings and stuff. And, and I was so mad. Yes. And she was so mad. And I understood that because, no, she absolutely <laughs> didn't want to be in it. And she also, I I laugh because I remember so many things she said because she didn't have a she did was not a valid driver at the time. She did not have a license and, she and but she was driving all over town and she did not understand why she couldn't. She I mean she literally did not understand why she. Exception can't. to the rule. Everybody know that. Gosh. And you know how we all think we're exceptions to the rules. But when
0: Sheriff Lester asked me, "Do you have a driver's license?" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see what happened was. Let me explain. Yeah. Technically, I
1: really should have one.
0: <laughs> I should have one, but I don't. But I'm a really good driver, so let's just leave it at
1: that. Yeah. Well, he wasn't going for that. Um, and neither was her sponsor at the time because she no. ended up getting I was into like, What is wrong <laughs> about
0: these people? Why is everybody so like adamant about this? Like, I so want to have a suspended driver's license. Give me a break now.
1: Okay? It was so, it's <laughs> funny now. And the reason we can sit here and laugh is because she's a totally different person now. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I'm a totally different person because I was pretty new. I started that job in 2013. I'd only been sober That's a year what I did, and a half. Yeah,
0: 2013.
1: That's right. Yeah, and you know, and then her and I, um, we just got really close, and I got really close to her kids. So we would have these monthly dinners for SCAP, and her and her kids would come, and we just—I mean, as you can <laughs> tell—I mean, we've <laughs> been friends ever since, um, and we've been through a lot together, um, and and so I think. I think this kind of brings me to, um, okay, so when I got out of jail in August of 2012, um, the first thing I did is contact my kids, and I just, you know, tried to be honest with them about what had happened, because one thing um, I want to share with you that is like probably, um, this is going to it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to admit to myself or anybody else. But um, because I was put in jail on May 2nd of 2012, I missed my son's um, high school graduation. And, sorry, life is funny sometimes because I wrote him this letter that I still have. He did get the letter. Um, I was able to read it to him a couple of years later, and um, I just always kept it in my Bible. Um, this letter that I wrote the night of his graduation, but but I thought that I would get to be at his college graduation, which I did actually, but he just wasn't there. Um. So when I when I um. When I got out in August of 2012 and I reconnected and reunited with my kids, my son was starting um, college at OU. He was majoring in petroleum engineering. He's extremely smart. Both of my kids are. Um, and he, he and I just got really close. In his freshman year of college, he started struggling with depression really bad depression. And he talked to me about it, um, before he talked to anybody about it, because he knew I would understand. And, um, I told him, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever we have to do and we'll get you help. And, and for the next, um, little over three years, um, that's what we tried to do. Um, you know, me and his dad and his stepmom and, Everybody who loves him, which is a lot of people, um, we tried to help him, and he was really suffering um, with major depression. And he didn't understand it because he'd always been so happy, and um, I didn't understand it because even though I've struggled with depression, I didn't understand this level of depression. And watching it um, was, as a parent was the the hardest worst thing I've ever gone through. Um, but I'm so grateful that I was clean and sober, that I was able to be there for him. Finally, for those three years when he really did need me. Um, I wouldn't trade that time for anything. And there are so many things that he said to me during that time that I will cherish the rest of my life. And one of them is that one day he was sitting on my couch and, and we were talking and he said, Mom, I want you to know that if I know nothing else, I know that I am loved. And I I take comfort in that. But on, um, on December 15th, at about four o'clock in the afternoon, I got a call from my dad. He had gotten a call from Blake's dad, and Blake's uh, dad had said that Blake had hurt himself, and he was in St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, and they—it uh, didn't look good. And I—I I just remember, you know, my. My heart sank. And I said, No, no, Dad. And he said, Lee, you better get to Tulsa. And I barely remember anything after that. But I went to my mom and dad's and we just got in the car and went to went to Tulsa. And and Blake never woke up and he only lived for three days. But we, we got to say goodbye and hug him and kiss him. And he got to be an organ donor, which I know he would have wanted. Five people's lives were saved. And, and he was about to graduate from the University of Oklahoma. And they graduated him posthumously. And, um, his dad and I both got to attend a ceremony for that at different times, and they celebrated him, and we celebrated him. And uh, and David Warren wrote us uh, beautiful handwritten letters about Blake, and I, I just, I'm so grateful for, for the University of Oklahoma and everything they did um for us I have some wonderful friends that work there and they just made it so special for myself and my parents and for Blake's dad and his wife and Blake's stepsister and um you know I somehow by the grace of God and because of my friends my support my support system and my family I was able to stay clean and sober through losing my son to suicide, and I, so if anybody is out there who has lost a child or, or, you know, I also just briefly, you know, want to talk about my daughter. My daughter um, is just like a lot like Blake. She's amazing. She's smart she went to the university of oklahoma but she struggles with addiction like i do she has two beautiful children and she is struggling in her addiction and i love her like crazy and it's a loss too that's a, just a different kind of loss and i pray for her every day and i try to be a good example because that's what the women that surround me today have told me there are two things you can do for your daughter. You can pray for her and you can be a good example to her. And that's what I try to do today. And
0: what did right before you, um, right before Blake passed
1: away, you, Oh, right before Blake passed away a month to the day. Um, I had, um, I took, um, I became a kinship foster parent to my grandson, um, and, uh, took care of him while my daughter was struggling, uh, in her addiction, and he is amazing, (laughs) um, and he's four years old now, and the light of my life, and, um, and then, you know, my daughter just recently had a baby girl, and, um. and she is with um, a wonderful, wonderful family who um, took guardianship of her uh, for now. We don't know what the future holds, um, but I'm, none of this, none of this would have been possible without recovery. Uh, recovery has made everything possible, and it, it allowed me to be able to walk through um, the death of my son, it allows me every day to be able to walk through what's going on with my daughter. Um, it allows me today to to be a friend um, and to accept friendship. And and I, you know, I won't lie. I've struggled the past couple since I've lost Blake. Um, you know, you you know, I've lost a piece of myself. Um, and i you know, I haven't been the person I used to be. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing better all the time. And um, I know that's what Blake would want. And I, I know that I will see him again. I believe that with all my heart. And that's what gets me through. Um, I don't know exactly what my faith looks like. But I know I believe. I believe that there's a God. And I believe that he is a loving God. And I believe that Blake is with him. And I believe that I will see him again. And that's the only way I can get through that. And if my daughter somehow hears this, um, I just want you to know how much I love you uh, and how much I'm rooting for you. um, Because I know that you have it in you. I know you have the strength. And I know, I know you can do this. Um, And Melissa, I just, um, I'm super grateful for you. And I watch what all you've done in your recovery. And I think it's um, amazing. Um, You inspire me to want to do more. And um, thank you.
0: Well,
1: I don't know if I can really finish right now. Okay, we're crying. Yeah, <laughs> this is what we do sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we cry.
0: Yeah. Um, well, thank you uh, for sharing your story. And, um, yeah. So, I hope I know this will help others out there that are struggling. I hope so. Um, struggling with the loss of a child.
1: You can... I mean, the main thing I wanted to convey is just that you can walk through hard things. Really, really hard things. And you can stay sober. You can do it. um, I can't imagine. Um, I love you. I love you. you I love you. (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: Um, Do you have anything else that you would like to share?
1: I love you guys out there. I love that recovery has become like this... um, just it's like a movement almost yeah it it, it seriously is and I love that it's it really is like cool to be in recovery (laughs) who'd have ever thought I remember thinking that I'd never have fun again if I quit doing drugs there's no way I'd ever have fun again and man I complete opposite complete opposite I mean, what's the fun
0: time. about going to jail? And uh, yeah, not nothing. What you did the night before? Nothing. Not,
1: <laughs> not at all. We
0: get to be um, present, you know, for our loved ones. Yes, and when you have been present for my children um, through both times of them being taken away. You were always there.
1: And and what a gift! I mean, that's that's a gift that I was able to give to someone else. Yeah, I mean. And, and, you know, it kind of, it kind of, it really upset both of us when I tried to take her kids in, um, as foster kids. Um, and I couldn't do it cause I had a felony uh-huh. because of my own past mm-hmm. and her kids love me and they, they knew, knew me and it would have been, you know, um, but it, it, that was something I couldn't do. But you know what? Later on, I was able to, to get my grandson. I was mm-hmm. able to get approved. Um so it it it's amazing I guess been a lifesaver, hasn't it? Yes. And I guess the the thing that I want to share too is that even if even if something doesn't happen right away in your sobriety, you do not know what the future holds and amazing things can happen that you would Mm -hmm. never think could happen. And um and I have a lot of people along the way that have helped me and that if I had time, I would thank them by name, but, um, but I don't cause that would like take forever. Uh, anyway, you can do it.
0: Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate you sharing your story and, um, all right. That's all we have for today. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.